If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. Um, today, uh, before we jump in, we'd love to, if you'd leave a review on iTunes and, or wherever you listen to podcasts, those five stars do really help. Um, we'd also like to give a big shout out to our sponsors. Um, first of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shoe machine on the market. I'll get it out. Um, not only are they innovative, unbelievable how shooting machines are, are have changed. You know, I remember when they used to have those long metal racks coming from the court. Um, but how they've innovated, how they've put the trainers right in front of you, it's unbelievable. So go over and check it out. Also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It's the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. There's nothing else on the market like it. Nowhere else are you going to get the bat phone to the person running it. No, you know, yes, they might do quarterly or monthly or weekly calls, but they're not, they're not on your backing call. If you have a question, if you have an email, trust me, I will get back to you. I will respond. I will get on a call with you that day. So come over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Let's head off to the podcast. So coach, I'm going to have you introduce yourself, kind of tell your basketball journey, um, where you started, you know, kind of where, where you started and how we got to the point where we're sitting here, um, seven hours away from each other, um, talking basketball. So if you can do that, that'd be great. No problems. Um, bit of a late developer as a player. I didn't really get into it until I went to secondary school. Um, I come from a really small village in, in County Kerry, which is in the Southwest of Ireland. Um, you know, population of about 450 and during the winter, it's a ghost town. There might be two cars on the street. So, um, but Kerry's a, a well-known Gaelic County. So, uh, <laughs> okay. So, First of all, yeah. I've learned, I've, I've learned a lot about it's Gaelic, it's Gaelic. And what's, uh, what are the Gaelic, what are the sports again? Erling. Yeah. And, and Erling and Gaelic football. Yes. Yeah. Like YouTube them for people that are listening to this YouTube. Yeah. Them. Like I, when two years ago when I started interviewing some people from, I had no idea. Like I kind of had seen them, but um, 
cool sports. But anyway, they're, they're, they're like king in Ireland. Yeah. Absolutely. And particularly football in, in where I come from, it's, it, you know, it's a religion. It really is. It's, it's like basketball in Lithuania. I was lucky enough to, to go there and do a few clinics and stuff. And, um, you know, it, it, it is an absolute religion. So there was a kid who went to boarding school who came back during the summer and he started playing basketball and a few of us got joined in and eventually then we got a school team going and kind of moving from there. Um, it wasn't until I went to college that I, I kind of really got into it, uh, joined the basketball club. Um, started assistant coaching probably my second year because our head coach got real sick um, wasn't able to travel to away games um, coaching basketball in college and universities over here is very different to, to your experience of it um, you know there's, there's no department you're a volunteer in 90% of the cases and you have no backup or if you, you do now it's a, you're, you're kind of lucky back then there was no such thing as an assistant coach you did everything you were team manager you wash the kits, you got them ready, you organize the game schedule, like fantastic education. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it's a real eye-opener. And I, I look at some of the, the programs around now that are developing and programs particularly in the States, and I just think, oh, how? I mean, it, it, your university system is even not even like our high school system in the sense that high school coaches here get paid and have assistance and um, – yeah, I mean, the, 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 and I've gone through this in other uh, podcasts, so we don't have to do it, but the, just the system of how it kind of goes through is so unique um, that it's different. And I think, I, think you're, I think it's starting to turn the corner um, as far as getting young kids to play. I think that's a huge thing in Ireland right now. You know, it is a very popular sport, particularly in primary schools. Like, it's, it's either one or two across the country now. Right. But, Big, the big thing is the transition to keep them going into secondary school. So you're equivalent to high school. Right. And it's just trying to hold on to them, particularly girls. We have a massive drop off in girls once they hit the teenage years. Um, and it's, you know. I, I and I don't know if that's Ireland based. That's here in the States. Too. Yeah. That yeah, does happen. Um, it is worldwide. But, but I, think, I think it's interesting. I think that's interesting in the sense that, you, yeah, you got to. <laughs> I've said this a billion times, but it's like, you got to make it fun and you got to hook them early. Like, you know, um, and then to be honest with you in a small, in a relatively small country like yours, they got to play multiple sports. Like you got to convince them that more than one sport's important. Um, Oh, a hundred percent firm believer. You know, my, my son, six foot seven playing division one national league here playing college ball. Uh, and, you know, I, I didn't let him touch a basketball or only a basketball until he was about 16. You know, uh, up to that stage, he, he did lots of different things because I'm a real believer in, in that multi-sport. Well, it's that it's the it's the different movements, I think. You know, what I mean, yeah, I absolutely. think it, it's that's what people don't realize. It's like and especially because your son's a, a big body that I think sometimes those big bodies, when they only do one thing, that same muscle, the muscle memory is what causes the injuries because they're only doing. They're only using the same systems over and over and over again. Um, so if you only drive your car in the city, it's your car is going to have some issues because it's stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. You know, if you're only driving on the highway, it might have yeah. different. It's the same thing with kind of the player, I think. Um, yeah. That's why I tell parents, it's like play as many. First of all, don't, don't choose for them. They'll find what they love. And then um, as, many as, as many as possible. Teach us so many life lessons, in my opinion. Um, oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Because you, unless you're the, unless you're the, you know, a, a freak of nature, you're, you're there's going to be sports you're great at, and there's sports you're good at, and um, 
So what are you doing now? Now I work as a basketball development officer. So I'm one of five basketball development officers uh, who work with the NGB uh, Basketball Ireland. So my role is, is um, it's part funded by Basketball Ireland and then I'm also uh, employed by Ulster University. So um, the way my role kind of works is I spend half my week working on development programs, coaching in, in schools, um, helping run technical courses, that side of things. And then the other half of my week is in the university. So it's specifically around uh, social um, and intramural basketball. And then okay. I the the varsity teams so there are top level teams at the university so this year i'm coaching the girls previous years i've coached both guys and girls on similar years but we're lucky enough we've got a young a young coach who's come back from the uk and he's coaching our men's national league team and he's yeah. also coaching our, our university team so um the other big difference which you've probably gone into is is here we have a massive club system um yeah. <laughs> that's you know colleges is great and you'll play your college league but for us college league is five or six games Right. Uh, we've got our InterVarsity tournament uh, in April, which unfortunately we're missing this year. But um, that's kind of our NCAA March Madness, except we do it over three days. Right. So, you know, the top eight teams will come and play. You'll be in two pools. You'll play a couple of games on a Friday, a couple of games on a Saturday, and then final on a Sunday if you're lucky enough to get there. So it's pretty intense. We have a lot of Americans who come over. Um, we're lucky enough to be involved with a, a program called Sport Changes Life. Um, and through them, they bring scholars over here to Ireland. So about 2022, 20, I think, last year. And they're in different colleges all around. And, um, you know, a lot of them have come from Division One, Division Two, or Division Three background from the States and, and are here doing a graduate degree, Masters. Okay. And so, and what we try and do then is we, you know, a big part of, you know, part of what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about today was integrating those players into a very different culture over here um, and I thought it might be something that particularly your you know your college coaches uh, might be interested in because yeah, I think it would be great yeah so if yeah, you need to share that to share the screen or do it ever that that would be perfect I think that's that's very intriguing to me yeah um okay well look we'll get that we'll get that started uh everybody i hope you enjoyed the podcast make sure you subscribe make sure you like it um go over and check out our other podcasts high school hoops teacher side gig and then uh, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better have a great day Okay, so I kind of just wanted to talk a little bit about our culture. Um, so for me, I, I took over the women's team. Um, um, I took over the women's team um, and kind of want to talk a little bit about best practice, what worked, what didn't, and then the kind of pillars underpinning. Okay. So it was about three years ago I took over our women's national league team. Um, so In a way, who does the national league team play? Do you go to Europe and play? Do you go to like? No, no. So, so Super League is the top level here for men or women. Okay. And there's uh, ten teams in the women's Super League, and then there's I think eleven teams uh, in the men's Super League. Okay. And the next level down is Division One National League. Okay, National League. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So and uh, so our, our the goal of all the teams in Division One is is to to win Division One and move up to Super League. So it's a promotion relegation. Yeah, it's like it's like um, it's like uh, 
it's like soccer. It's like the uh, Premier League. Yeah, yeah. You win. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. I've. I don't know who I was talking to. I. I'm just surprised the U.S. hasn't moved to that system in some respects. Um, yeah, it definitely makes things more competitive. Um, you know, and and you, your your culture and how you approach it. You know, it. it it's not just oh, I can be safe. This might be a bad year because I didn't recruit that well or whatever. Right. You know, you're, you're always aiming to get there. And when you get there, you're always aiming to stay there. You can't afford to have a bad year because then you go back down. So Right, yeah. Yeah, and it does put that, that little bit more pressure on you to, to do your job right, to make sure you recruit right. And, and a big part for us over here because so, so much of it is volunteer-led that, you know, it's about developing a, a culture that people will buy into. Right. And now you can, you can play only one U.S. – is that right? Only one U.S. player at a time? So in the men's, it's only one. In the women's, it's two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, so I, I did coach the men's, uh, and uh, we had a very successful year, 16, 17, and then we got a men's coach into the club, um, and we got the opportunity to put a women's coach in. Okay. Women's team in the National League. Uh, we were very young, um, but we were at that stage where we felt if we didn't take the step as a club, we were going to miss out on it. So um, we, we did that. Uh, our first year, you know, was, was a real learning experience. You know, you went three and nine. You finished third from the bottom in the league. And um, it was tough, particularly for the younger girls. Um, so one of, the, you know, one of the things that I have there is about the youth. You know, we, 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 our girls can start playing from 16. So okay. we, we had a couple of underage Irish internationals. Um, but our profile of a team was we, we had, you know, six girls that were under 21. So, and, and out of our 12, that's a lot. And then we had a lot of girls that were just early 20s, and then we had a couple of mid-20s, and then Americans, you know. So, um, first year was, was a real learning experience. Uh, second year, we really grew. Um, we, we started to click. Um, we were lucky enough to get an awesome, uh, well, two awesome girls. But one in particular was a girl called Collins Scarborough from Siena. Um, and she just dominated in her league. You know, 5'10", rebound, you know, she averaged 25 and 15, and she just tore up teams. And she brought a lot of, a, a lot of that winning competitive, uh, you know, mentality to our team. Right. Is there something when you're on the men's side or the women's side that you're looking for in a player? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, for us, we're a little bit different in the fact that we're a university team. So we do have a lot of kids who come here to university for a couple of years not necessarily on a basketball scholarship, um, but they'll just come here to go to university. You know, we have a really good academic uh, program. And then from that, uh, like they might go home after three years when they finished and got their degree. And so, how long does it take them? It takes them three years to get the degree? Either three or four, depending on, on the particular uh, course that you're doing. So for an undergraduate degree. Um, some oh, of them undergrad. Yeah, yeah. Undergrad. Okay. Yeah, for the year placement. Yeah, so. Dude, but some, but some come over and play in the national, or they play in the what? What are they playing? They let's say they finish their collegiate career in U.S. and then they come over. Almost exclusively, exclusively, it's either Super League if they're good enough, and okay. they're they're picked by those clubs, or Division One National League. Division One National League. Okay, and then when they're doing that in Division One National League, they're probably going to school. Uh, yes, for a lot of the clubs, they're going to school or. In the past four years where, you know, the, the country has come out of a recession a little bit, it's gotten to the stage where clubs can afford to, to pay a certain amount to bring those players in, provide them with opportunities to coach in schools and, and do stuff like that to supplement their income. Um, okay. okay. It's not well paid at all. 
Um, so let's right. be clear about that. But it is a fantastic experience and a stepping stone for those players. That want and how to long play. does it take them? Let's say if they're doing it to get their. How long does it take that to get their their uh, their well, well, the kids that come in with us, uh, it, you see, that's the other big advantage that they look to come over here. And we get a lot of really good kids, particularly on the women's side, who have come over here through the Sport Changes Life uh, Victory Scholarship. Right. It's one year as opposed to two years. That's there. what I was saying. It's like, yeah, they can come over, get their degree in one year. And yeah. Yeah. And, and, and their life experience here, I think, is a big part that, you know, coaches in the States will look at it and say, okay, they're going to come over here. They're going to coach youth teams. They're going to have to be, you know, an assistant coach uh, sometimes on other teams. So a lot of a lot of the girls will assistant coach on the guys. The guys will assistant coach on the girls, depending on how many resources a particular club or university has. Um, and then they're also team managers. You know, they got to pick roles and responsibilities for for helping promote social recreational basketball. So for a lot of the kids, particularly the D1 kids, it, it's a new experience for them. Right. Uh, <laughs> I bet. It's, it, yeah, it's like graduate assistant by five in one year, if you know what I mean. So. Right. Well, and they also can, you know, go to school and yeah, that's a great, exactly. that's a great experience. And, and it, it, that, that's part of the life skills, you know, so it's, it's that learning, it's that, you know, having that time management to be able to, to balance your schoolwork with having to play and train and lead the teams and, and then do you fulfill your coaching. Uh-huh. The other big thing that Sport Changes Life do is the kids they bring over, they do a lot of community work. So it's part right. of their, their deal. So they, they do a lot of work in the community, working with disadvantaged youth. Okay. Yeah. So it's 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 real. A lot of the kids who've gone back have gone on, you know, have become uh, assistant coaches pretty quickly. Have gone to work for some big organizations, um, you know, some of the bigger accountancy firms, and uh, some are working at the NCAA Women's Committee. And well, part of it's just like some, and for some of those kids, they can't like. If you're an athlete in college, it's harder to study a quote unquote study abroad. Um, yeah. So that's a great experience for a lot of them. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And for us, then you know, particularly when they're when they're over here and they're playing, you know, some of the kids come over and particularly the girls because I I do think you know up to now our female basketball in Ireland has been of a higher standard than people may have realized. Right. We've had we've had some Division One college teams come over here and tour and get beaten by our Irish senior women's team. Right. I'm going. All right. Hold on. You know, this is a country the size of our city. And right. And <laughs> so um, but we're, we're sending a lot of kids over over to the states you know I'm, I'm lucky enough one of the girls from our program has uh, just signed uh, with Houston Baptist University okay she's gone there she did a year of prep school last year at the Hun well let's hope she gets to come and go to school yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah we are a lot more kids going over um, going over to the states and and learning their craft and then bringing it back home. So, and, and I think that's part of it. I mean, I think that's what happened with um, NBA basketball in the eighties and stuff, you know, the Michael Jordan era. I mean, it became a worldwide sport more than at that point, I think. Um, yeah. And then people, you know, I mean, you look at the NBA now, it's, I mean, it's like a third is us residents, I think, um, yeah. or citizens. Uh, but that, that wasn't the way it was, you know, 30 years ago. So I think that makes it, I think it makes it better for everybody to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. And you know, the last thing you want is that dominance of one team the whole time. And right. You know, they're the most talented and, and you guys have been phenomenally successful at that, but it's not nice to see your teams competing. Right. Um, and part of that is, you know, sending kids over and, and taking advantage of, of the expertise over there. So, um, 
there's not a lot of expertise here, so a lot of our kids do go abroad, whether it's to an academy in Europe uh, or the UK, or they'll end up going going to the States. So. Okay, both of them. All right, keep going. I don't mean to interrupt them. Yeah, not at all. No. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it ties in nicely, like you can see there. So, you know, just yeah. look experience when we're such a young team. It's important that we get good leaders um, when, we, when we get recruit these kids to come in. Um, and when they join on the program, uh, we don't actually get to pick you know, the, the scholars that are coming to us. They're assigned by the, the charitable foundation. We okay. can like a guard or we'd like a post or, or that kind of thing. But it, it, there's a lot of factors that go into it. You know, their major versus the, the scholarship or masters that are offered in our university and that side of things. But we've been lucky the last couple of years to have some really good kids. Um, and uh yeah so it, it's that experience it's kind of developing it so for me it was about integrating americans and having a new set of americans every season hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So trying to understand and, and, and quickly adjust uh, to, to get them to adjust to our, our system, which is a lot of, a lot of really self-control. You know, self they have to be very disciplined. Um, you know, their hands aren't held for them. You know, I, I'll never forget one of one of the girls um, a number of years ago turning around and saying, you know, somebody got my chewing gum. And I said, what do you mean somebody got your chewing gum? And she goes, well, every time I played a game, she played for a big D1 college. Uh, it was a graduate assistant who handed her a chewing gum just as she got ready in the middle of a warm-up. Like it was that level of, of uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say molly coddled, but there's a bit of that definitely about it. So. Um, and, and it's a big adjustment. So when they come over, they bring that experience. Uh, we try and, and develop them as well for, you know, just to, to help them take that next step from college moving on to, to life. And then uh, from the basketball point of view, for me, it was just about trying to figure out ways to, to make that integration happen quicker and right. for, for that experience to translate onto the court. So um I probably didn't spend as much time as I should have around the team building aspect. And that was something I really picked up when I was, when I was you know, coach with national teams. And, um, you know, we spoke earlier about uh, Dr. Kim Rice and he was one of the guys who, who uh, mentored me a little bit when I was on my, on my journey with the under 18 women national team a couple of seasons ago. So, um, and part of that was about team building. So the first thing I learned is was we try and do an overnight in the first week or two, you know, we bring everybody away. We, we will have some fun together, do some games, get our training in as well. And it's just about, you know, starting to develop that team bond. It's that relationship building. That's so important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and, and that, that's been a big change in my coaching, you know, for years, I always thought I was a pretty good games coach. I could read a game pretty well and make adjustments, see them out there. Um, but probably the biggest development for me over the last, you know, eight, nine years has been, around being more athlete centered and I'm trying to get to that stage where I can trust them to do more peer coaching and I'm trying right. to put that in. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I do struggle with it. It's one of these things that it's, you just, you just see it and you want to correct it rather than letting them figure it out on their own. So, um, yeah, I, I, I always say there's like, especially for the young coaches, there's basically three levels. There's self coaching where I coach myself 
There's peer coaching, which I help others and they help me. And then there's coaching, coaching, which is what I'm coaching to the players. That third one is probably the least important. Um, as far as if I, if you can teach your players to self coach and you can tell help them peer coach. Oh my gosh, you're, you're light years ahead. Um, if I can sit and watch and just, you know, I I call it like a puppet. If you can just be the person just moving the pieces around on a chessboard, um, it's so much easier than if you're doing the big things. Um, Because if you're always self-correcting, it's not going to work. It just doesn't. You're right. I, I, I think it's a difficult, but that's a difficult skill to learn too, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if anybody ever gets it, you know, it's yeah. one, one of those evolving ones because you know, talking to coaches and, and even listening to, to some of your podcasts, kids have changed and they do change. And, and as they're changing, you have to adapt to that and move with it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You mean coaching? And, I was talking to a coach a couple of days ago. It's like, if I was coaching the way I was 30 years ago, shoot. I mean, it's not, it, it, the game's changed. The kids have changed. I mean, you have to, you know, I always say people used to go to school in a horse and buggy. They don't anymore, right? Things change. So it's yeah. inevitable. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So just keeping it rolling on and yep. around talent. So a uh, big thing for me was identifying, you know, the roles that I, I could develop with the girls. So right. It was, it was trying to figure out what were the best systems to put in place to suit their skills with a little bit of tweaking so that it fitted in with my overall philosophy. Okay. Uh, whereas I think when I was a younger coach, you know, in, in my 20s, I, I really kind of shoehorned people. I talk a little bit more about that later where I just said, you know, this is the style that I like to play because, you know, it's whatever. It's not yeah. the many coaches are doing it in this country at the time and these are certain sets that we like to run because, you know, teams will struggle with it. And I tried to shoehorn the players into it rather than tweaking and, and making it a little bit better. So, um, and I guess, you know, I, I have always been big on self-reflection and uh, I've been very lucky to have some really good mentors here that I could reach out to, you know, kind of discuss day-to-day stuff, discuss bigger picture stuff. And coming out of that, you know, I, I believe it's probably one of the biggest and I know you, you preach it all the time. It's, it's just about, you know, talk to people, get that expertise, have that conversation. And you never know when something little will click and it's like a light bulb going off. You go, oh, I mean, it's literally why I started the podcast like three, four years ago. It's like, I was having one of those reflect. It's like, I, it's like, I almost feel like I'm not as good a coach as I was 20 years ago. It's like the more, you know, the sometimes the more you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you know, and there's so many people that want to share this great game because there's so many lessons to be taught um, that yes, external X. I mean, people want to help. I mean, if someone emails me, I respond. I always, I'm not always able to get right back to them, but I'm, I'm always willing to help. That's the thing is I think that's what coaches want. I mean, we're coaches for a reason. We're not like, um, you know, we want to help people and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's one thing this, this past, you know, a couple of months has really shown like it's been fantastic, you know, the podcast, the webinars, the coaching yeah. that have gone online and like all, almost all of these have been free and it's just people wanting to share their expertise. It's almost, uh, I've said this too, it's almost too much. Like, like I almost feel like if I, I had to stop watching some of the, what because it's like, oh crap, we should do that. I mean, it's, it's almost too much noise. You know what I mean? Um, so I've been trying to do it in smaller pieces. Like, okay, I'm going to watch this today and think about this. Otherwise, it's like, oh, my gosh. It's like I, it's almost overwhelming, 
but it's great. It is great, but it's almost it is, overwhelming. Yeah. 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 I, I, for me, defense is, is a particular focus. It was this season and, and moving into next year for me. And, and it's just something because offensively, we've been very solid. You know, a lot of possessions, either it's top scoring or the second top scoring team in the league um, for the past couple of seasons. But it's, it's our defense that I'm, I'm really focused on. So a lot of what I've been looking to listen to and watch have been around kind of defensive culture, different types of systems that are working and I find myself taking a lot of notes and saying, right, okay, do I think that will work? Do I think this will work? And um, as we get into the summer, I'll kind of have to actually start sitting down and working out, you know, which ones I'm going to try this season or not. Yeah. And then, I mean, so you'll have an idea of 90% 90 of your roster. You won't know the two American kids or whatever that are coming over. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, so you have a little bit of a harder equation in the sense that, like I kind of have a sense who's coming on my team next year, so I can kind of sit and start moving pieces. You have a couple pieces that aren't there, and you you're not going to really know. That's harder to to do. It that. is, uh, yeah, and and I won't find out until until like June, July, and and we start our our preseason on court in August. So okay, a lot of time to figure out. And and the big big probably biggest challenge is, you know, those two pieces that are coming in are normally our, our top scorers. You know, they're the top two players that we'll have. Right. Some really good Irish talent, um, but the whole point of bringing them in is that they're better than what we have in order to kind of you know lift us up and, and make us competitive with the other teams. So, right. Um, so yeah. So you know that's that's kind of the way that we've been looking at it. Um, biggest question I kind of asked myself then it was you know is what does it look like to me? So uh, so what is what is the culture? What what is it? What do I want players when they're leaving us to go away with? So, and, and because it's very transitory, uh, it being the college system and, and, and having players come in for a couple of years or our young players who are now good enough. So, you know, Anya last year went to the States because she was good enough to go. She went to prep school and now has a D1 offer her next year. Um, her older sister is already there and has been for a few years. And her younger sister has one more year here with us before she'll also probably have that opportunity to go away. So. Um, and it's, it's trying to figure out, you know, what message do I want them to take with them when they leave? What will they say that this period of their basketball journey will have been? And I think that's important. You're asking, I always ask why, but you're asking the what and the whys are always important questions in every aspect of your life, but especially when you're a coach. I, yeah, I love that. Um, okay, so you know, in relation to the upskilling, so what worked with me? What, what were the big changes from the first year to the second year? So um, probably the biggest thing was about honest communication. I, I, I'm a very positive coach. I'm not a screamer or a shouter. Um, I like to, to quietly reinforce the good things. Um, I, I do struggle at times with, with if I, you know, criticizing somebody right there in the moment. I don't mean necessarily criticizing in a bad way. And even talking to you, you know, I struggle a bit with the terminology around that side of it. But what I try and do is phrase it in such a way that they understand. But what I found out, you know, talking to the girls and, and getting them to open up a bit more with me was I was too positive. I was almost too nice about things. I was letting them get away with a bit too much in our conversations and not challenging them enough. Right. So, um, so that honest communication was big for me. You know, the title on this slide is Coaching Keys, and, and one of the things, there's, a, there's an author over here, a guy who's involved in GA, but he actually just wrote a book recently about, and it's one of the ones that I, I said to you, it's about coaching the individual in team sports. Um, his name is Philip Kerr, and I'd read his previous books on the GA side of things, and he just poached, 
um, just put up this book recently, actually in the past month or so, but okay. ties it all together and gives a lot of examples. Um, but his, his key was, you know, he said coaching is a lot about having a, a bunch of different keys and you have different keys that will unlock different things. And you've got to remember, there's no one key that does everything for you. So it's well, and I think, and, and here's somebody who's coached a long time. I think every kid has a different key. <laughs> Um, I agree 100%. You know what I mean? It's like that's that's where I think I've grown as a coach that I can think back to a team I had two or three years ago and I knew that kid I could get on and wanted me to ride him. That kid I had to put my arm around. That kid I had to talk talk to and correct the big stuff outside of practice. It's like, you know, all of them, we all are, I mean, there's a 8 billion individuals walking around the earth right now. So we're all a little different. I think we, I think the, when you have coaching keys there, we all have a different key, um, which is, I think that's a great, I'm, I'm going to steal that coach. I love that. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah no problems. Um, then next part was about me upping my game. So, you know, doing a bit more research, trying to figure out how I could look at the total season. And, and I've got a couple of PDFs I'll actually share with you now, kind of around periodization where we looked at the total year and and how, how I was going to do with the different stages and, and you know, input that I was going to try and get from, from the university. Um, and then look, started looking at things like, you know, finding that balance of player input. So empowering the players to do more during training so that then they were less reliant on me for play calling, decision making during games. And, and I was trying to do it in such a way because I think it's, it was easier for me to do it because I had a really good point guard. So that girl has gone to gone on to Division One. She was my point guard. She'd been on my Irish team. She'd grown with me that way, and and I had her for a few years. And it's it's easy when you have a good point guard, you know, to to trust your point guard to go and do a job for you. But what I realized was it wasn't just the point guard that I needed to empower. You know, she was my floor general, yes, uh, but there was times when she wasn't out there. Um, you know, one of the things that I also kind of looked at was trying to balance my minutes a little bit better. So trying to get that balance between player development and providing opportunities and winning games. Right. So we probably have the, the best, you know, time time played roster uh, in National League over uh, probably any division over the last couple of years. Do you think that helped come the end of the season? Uh, it didn't this year. Okay. Uh, explain why, um, but it definitely did at, towards the end of year one going into year two. We'd only won three games in the league, and then we had a big win in our last league game over one of the top teams. Yeah. Um, and then there was an end-of-season uh, competition, and we ended up having a big away win by two points over a team that had beaten us twice during the season. And then we came home, and, and we actually won a trophy uh, by beating the top team in the league because uh, we managed to get them. We were lucky enough to get a home draw for the final. Okay. And then that kicked us into the second year. So suddenly there was a bit of belief we'd actually won a competition, even though we only won five games the whole season. Right. Um, uh, but, you know, those last three games were crucial because they kind of saw off the season in a good way and moved right. us forward going into, into year two. So, um, uh, yeah. So, and then it was, you know, the other thing, and, and you've spoken about it there, is understanding individual circumstances. Like, Sports Social Podcast Network.